Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there and welcome to this week's Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is our weekly podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Scout Scout Network. As you've heard over the last couple of weeks, in each episode we'll look back on the game week we've just played and assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures. We'll also catch up with a member of the Scout Network to find out what they have been up to, as well as gaining an insight into their FPL planning and content. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's Scout the Game Week. This week, I'm joined by Leo from Bendito Fantasy. I hope I haven't uh, said that terribly, Leo. Uh, Leo is <laughs> part of the Scout Network um, and is making um, our debut for FFS International Guests because normally, Leo, you do your FPL content creating in Spanish. Correct. Um, hello. Uh, I'm very good. Uh, I'm very happy to talk to you today and ready to discuss some fantasy and uh, like letting people know that fantasy also comes in Spanish package. <laughs> it's exciting. And I think for me, this is this is something that I'm really enjoying about the Scout Network and about working alongside um, you mm-hmm. guys in FFS International is that um, there is a whole wealth of content creation that goes on around the world. And I think yeah. in our little English speaking content creating bubble, um, you kind of forget that in different parts of the world, this is this is happening in the same format. So it's lovely to be able to talk to somebody who as a part of their kind of content creating job, does it um, in a different language. Um, so tell me about how you got into it then. Like what made you kind of wake up one morning and think, I know, I think I'll set up my own FPL um, content creating in Spanish. Yeah, um, I really started because I am a podcast junkie. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, fantasy is one of the topics that I listen to. Uh, Maybe since the smartphone era started, Mm. I just started downloading podcasts. And I really love the format. And I really love how it makes it more democratic. People can just get a microphone, get the computer on, and then just go. Um, My first podcast in in terms of fantasy was uh, Fantasy Football Scout, of course. And uh, I really enjoyed listening to them and now watching them in, the, in YouTube, etc. And that was kind of my inspiration because as m- the more I, I watched and saw all this content coming out, I was like, there's something missing here. Mm. And uh, the thing that was missing is uh, I talked to my friends all the time in these little WhatsApp groups or things like that, where we discuss fantasy all the time but we didn't have like a forum where we actually put it out in the world. So I thought I, I got together with a couple of friends and we were like, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's talk about fantasy 
in a podcast and start uh, what now became Bendito Fantasy. Nice. I like that because that's a, almost a similar background to where FPL Family came from. It was just a kind of mm-hmm. like, let's let's re- re- replicate, I guess, the, get the chats that we normally have in our living yeah. room on a Friday night um, and stick it out on YouTube and see what happens. And And I think when you first do it, it's kind of a bit like, oh, gosh, will anyone actually listen to this does anyone care what we're talking about um but it is lovely um when the community kind of takes you under their wing and and develops and and i guess that there's a, a spanish-speaking community much like the english speaking one where you know you guys that create in in different foreign languages all kind of get together i suppose yeah there there is some uh some group of people that speak Spanish. The the interesting thing here is that uh, I always thought the Spanish speaking people is uh, like, there's a lot of it. Uh, we <laughs> have from, from Argentina to Mexico, almost everybody speaks Spanish. And then if you include Spain, well, there's, uh, there's a bunch of people here and all of them really love football. Like mm. in, in all of these uh, Latin American countries really uh, live and breathe football all the time. So we are very passionate about it. And uh, the thing that is a, a little bit complicated is to find them. Because uh, as we were discussing, uh, there is a bubble in FPL yeah. that is mostly English. And I found out that a lot of people that constantly post on Twitter, etc., they are actually from Venezuela or from Ecuador or from Peru. and. Uh, and when they found us and they st- we saw that we were speaking Spanish or typing in Spanish, they were like, oh, finally, I can, I can talk <laughs> with other nice. people that, that understand me. Uh, so we want to do that for, for them. But there's other people that are not so fluent in English. So that this kind of information that we listen to every week is not as accessible. So we want to bring it to them as well. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that's that's kind of what the aim when we set up FFS International was, was that we would, yeah. you know, be able to unite all of these different uh, content creators from around the world, because for the majority of them, English is involved in their language that they, yeah. you know, can speak and they can understand. But as you say, there are large chunks of the community that just... Uh, want to take on their FPL content in other different languages. Spanish is one of them. Um, we've got some French, uh, mm-hmm. some French speakers in our FFS International. We've obviously got the Arabic content that we pop out on the FFS site. So there's multiple different languages in there, and, and I'm I'm hopeful that by getting you guys on here with me, it will give you a, a broader audience as well of people that go, oh, I never knew that you know this <laughs> these people existed and and can reach out and find you. Um, so tell me yeah. about Bermudito Fancy then. What is your kind of plans for the future? Have you got some some major plans in store for kind of development or uh, social media or across your YouTube or your, your podcasts? Yeah, so we are really, really new. Um, this is only our second season uh, that we do anything outside uh, our little bubble. Uh, so we are, the, the main goal is to, to find or to let people find us um, and start the discussion. Uh, we have a small Discord group that where, where we have all these discussions all the time. Uh, so the community is growing. Uh, we just started YouTube this year, this season. So with the hopes that YouTube is really always a catalyst for, mm. for content creation and people likes to see what they 
yeah. like, especially in fantasy, right? If you have a little table or if you have the players there, you, you see it, it's a little bit yeah. more approachable. So we're trying to go there, uh, but the main aim is to expand and to let people know that we exist, uh, hopefully with time and with the help of the scout, <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. Oh, for sure. Um, before we get into scouting the game with then, do you want to just give everyone your handles just so they know where to follow you um, so that they can click on and, and get some great Spanish content from you after this? Sure. Um, it's at Bendito Fantasy. It's all uh, one word, we could say. Uh, it's in Twitter, in Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, everything you can find us with, uh, at Bendito Fantasy. Amazing. All right, then let's get into scouting the game week. Um, let's start with game week 20. Now, just before I press record on this podcast, I said to Leo, how is game week 20 going? And you pulled a face that was very much like the face that I've been pulling about my game week 20. Um, I think we are both in the same boat when it comes to this one in that yeah. it hasn't gone hugely well for either of us. Uh, it's been really disappointing. I, I'm, I'm sad that just today that we are talking <laughs> to each other. I've, I'm having probably my worst game week of the whole season. That's typical, I'm, that is. I'm 25 points right now. It's below average. But I have 15 points uh, courtesy of Suchek in the bench. Uh, I have a lot of players with just one point. Uh, goalkeeper, Justin Foden, Bamford all of them playing, uh, a bunch of them playing less than the 60 minutes. Thanks you. So frustrating. Uh, to Pep. Uh, so so it's, it's very frustrating. I have the three main players to go today um, that hopefully will be good. Yeah, so we should should say that we are recording this on Thursday afternoon. And so we obviously do have what is now affectionately known as the FPL family derby to come this evening when Spurs oh, okay. play Liverpool. Um, obviously for Leo and I with our three investors. Are you invested in the same three as me? Do you have Kane, Son and Salah? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so for us, <laughs> we're hoping for some massive hauls from those three guys tonight. I mean, mine is, I'm on 38 for the week, um, like you with, um, Suchek sat comfortably on my bench looking at me and laughing as he always does every time he has a big haul and I have benched him um, but I did bring in Gundogan this week so there was one saving grace at least although had I not bought in Gundogan I would have played Suchek so either way I would have been kind of 15 points worse off um, so it is what mm -hmm. it is I think I'm hopeful that tonight's match should bring some some FPL points. I mean, it's the right three, I think, to own in that game because I don't see there being many clean sheets around. Um, so it's it's just worth us pointing that out that going into tonight, we still do have a game to play. Yeah. Um, so leaving aside your FPL team and the Suchek dramas, um, is there anyone that's really impressed you so far um, from game week 20, particularly anybody that you haven't yet got in your FPL team that you're now thinking, oh, they might be a good buy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my worst decision this season probably was to get Foden instead of Gundogan. Uh, the guy is absolutely on fire. Uh, it's seven goals in the last seven games. Uh, I was doubting before because I didn't know how, how City would behave without KDB. Yeah. I thought maybe Pep will pull him back, move him to the middle and all the magic will be gone. 
at least Foden plays a little bit more forward. And I thought, well, he will play because now they need a little bit more attack. Uh, so I, I went for, for him. And I think if he plays the whole game, he gets a goal or an assist. But, but Pep decided that 51 minutes was enough. And As he I mean, does. He, it makes sense. It was 4-0 <laughs> already. But, <laughs> but it was really, really painful. So Gundogan is one of them. And obviously the defense in Man City is looking great. Uh, Cancelo was, uh, was the one that I missed. I went for Diaz. Uh, I knew Cancelo had a, a big ceiling because he was creating so many yeah. chances. His heat maps are obscene. He's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And and we knew he was going to hold at some yeah. point. And he already <laughs> he's right yeah. now, he's 17 points. He's the, the leader in points of the game week. And for the second week in a row, uh, a Man City defender is the yeah. leading scorer. It's funny, isn't it? Because I've missed out on both of those because like you, I own Diaz and, you know, I am still, and I still stand by the Diaz pick. I think he's still a great option. He's still, you know, almost guaranteed yeah. to start. He yeah. um, is guaranteed almost, almost certainly to get those clean sheet points because he never really seems to get substituted. Although now I've said that Pep will undoubtedly uh, rotate him next week. Um, but I think, yeah, he he's still a decent enough pick, but the fear when I got Dallas, uh, Diaz, sorry, was that actually Cancelo was always, always had the potential to do what he did in game week 20. Um, yeah. I knew that that was always there. The stats were pointing in that direction, but um, the kind of the fear of rotation, I guess, got me a little bit with Cancelo, that the fact that he could miss out on some games, I nearly went for stones and the fear of Laporte kind of put me off. So Diaz was just a safe pick. And I think this season, in the kind of world that we live in, safe picks feel like the right ones for me right now. But if you were um, slightly braver in your approach and own John Stones and, and Cancelo over the last couple of weeks, it has massively, massively paid off. And with two really nice fixtures to come in um, 21 and in 22, they look like they're, they're nailed on for more points over the next couple of weeks too. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I went for Diaz. Uh, I think if I have learned something this season is that we need to go for the safe picks for the ones that are performing. So yeah. play, there's always this discussion of form or fixture. Mm. I think this year is 100% form because um, yeah. it comes and goes so quickly. And you have like all the injuries or, or the problems with COVID. Uh, People like Gundogan that is informed should be in our teams. It was the same with Harry Kane and Son at the beginning of the season. So if you miss those points, you'd never see them again. Uh, no, and it hurts as well when you miss them. And I was yeah. you know, sat next to Lee, obviously, watching uh, the Man City game, um, and he owns uh, Cancelo and Gundogan. Um, and it was painful because it's taken him back above me in the FPL rankings right now, the fact that he had Cancelo over, over Diaz. And of course, he also didn't bench Suchek. So he's benefited from a mm. massive, massive swing from me so far. But he doesn't own Harry Kane. So let's see what happens <laughs> later. Um, let's talk about Chelsea for a minute, because obviously it's been a big week um, over at Stamford Bridge. And the sacking of Lampard, uh, the arrival of Tuchel um, as their new manager. Um, and not only just the arrival of him, but straight into the dugout for their game in Game 20 against Wolves, which ended up being 
well on paper a rather boring nil-nil draw which I don't think any of us were really expecting um obviously Wolves haven't scored a lot of goals but nil-nil just feels like a result I wasn't really anticipating and and I think in part that's because we know we did have some quite big changes in that Chelsea starting lineup and I'm particularly thinking about Mason Mount who has been ever present really under Frank Lampard he's been one of those players that as FPL managers if you wanted a Chelsea striking option forward option going for Mason Mount was the safe obvious pick because there was no real risk of him missing out but Tuchel's first game he takes his seat on the bench um what are you thinking about Chelsea is it too early do you think to invest in them now or do we need to wait it out a couple of weeks or or are you all for it let's just get on forward with Chelsea and and grab that new manager bounce yeah um this one is very close to me because I'm a Chelsea fan. So, oh, when... are you? You didn't <laughs> tell me that before we came on. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> seeing Frank Lampard go was kind of like a double feeling of like bittersweet. Yeah, yeah because I, I don't know. I, I I like the guy. Obviously, he's a legend for Chelsea, uh, and I think he did everything he could. Right. Um, yeah. It absolutely. seems like he didn't choose the players that he got. And, and they don't fit exactly the team that he, the, at least the system that he was trying to play. So he had to fit them however he could. Uh, all the injuries, all the things that happened in, in the team were also not helping. And then they found this uh, little run of games that were very, very bad. So I understand that he's gone. My biggest concern when I saw the new manager was, I think the academy players are going to disappear. And yeah. we saw that day one no Tammy no James no Mason Mount and for me it's a little bit uh, bad because I think Mount was really important for Chelsea uh, he was a bit, he, the last game with Lampard he was the captain so so it was kind of sad to see him uh, regress a little bit in the in the tel- Chelsea team with respect to our teams and if we should uh, pick the players I, I think we should wait um, a nil-nil is is telling the, of the problems that Chelsea has. Uh, he mentioned in this uh, press conference that he likes some players already, like Giroud and like Kante. Um, he's going to play Chilwell, so I think he's he, we have one that is going to be safe there. Yeah. But attacking-wise, it's going to be really... Uh, it's an unknown. He already played with... Um, Pulisic at some point and he, it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't in the starting 11 yesterday mm. so that's kind of weird uh, is he gonna bring back Mount at some point uh, it's so, so many unknowns I think we have at least a couple of weeks or uh, uh, game weeks I should say to to adapt to his system and see what he wants from from the team yeah I think it's interesting isn't it because you know <sighs> Chelsea are always a team that I look at. I always look at them and think, you know, are, is there somebody there that I can invest in? Um, is there somebody there that, you know, can give me, particularly this season, can give me a really nice differential? Um, because Chelsea aren't highly owned, apart from Chilwell, um, who I have owned previously in the past and, mm-hmm. and don't at the moment, um, but only don't at the, at the moment because I took him out um, when he was injured a few weeks ago. And, and actually the way that my team's progressed, I just haven't got round to bringing him back in. There's always been other things I've wanted to do. Um, but I think he stays high on my list of people that I would want. But, you know, looking at the fixtures, Chelsea have um, 
Burnley coming up in game week 21, which is a tough game given that Burnley have um, now recorded two wins on the bounce. Um, one of those being against Liverpool, um, bizarrely, and then and then again um, against um, an Aston Villa side yesterday who have been really, really solid defensively. Um, so Burnley seems to be on a little run. It will be interesting to see how Chelsea um, deal with that Burnley side because they are notoriously difficult to break down. And particularly over recent weeks, Pope has been um, playing out of his skin and, and again last night um, recorded a number of saves. So I think that will be an interesting game. And then following that, of course, um, it's the North, well, it's the it's the London derby between, between Spurs and Chelsea. Now, this game earlier on in the season saw one of the most interesting games of football I've watched in a long time that ended 0-0. Um, it, it was just one of those matches where, and that's the sort of match I can see happening again this time around because it will be a tactical battle between Mourinho, who won't want to lose it, um, and Tuchel, who's still getting to know his players and his team yeah. in the best way he can. So those two fixtures, you know, they're not screaming to me in terms of invest in Chelsea right now. But then if you look a little bit further ahead to game week 23, Chelsea play Sheffield United, although Sheffield United suddenly can play football again, it appears, after their <laughs> game week 20 result, which we'll come to in a minute. Um, and then after that, uh, they have Newcastle, who again, really poor form right now, and Southampton. Uh, and then following on from that, Manchester United in game week 26. So I think after that Spurs game, there's a, a nice run of fixtures there for Chelsea where might be a good time to invest. And by that stage, we're only really talking about a week because of the midweek fixtures next week. By that stage, we will have um, Tuchel having been there for a week or so and probably will have a better understanding of how he's going to set up his Chelsea team. Um, because I think we were all a little bit surprised by how he set it up for game week 20. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Any um, three is the is the key for Chelsea. Yeah, I agree. I, I think so. I think that's a, a nice target point to have. But I think before we move on um, from from talking about um, the game week that we're currently in, um, we have to stop for a minute and just talk about what happened to Manchester United because for me, this game week twenty result um, between Manchester United and Sheffield United was the shock of the season so far and is likely to be the shock of the season full stop. I just, I didn't see this coming. I don't think anybody saw this coming. I'm actually pretty certain that Wilder didn't see this coming given his interview at the end of the game last night. Um, Bruno Fernandes became the most captained player in FPL in a game week um, last night with 2.7 million managers captaining him. I think that's up from something like, I think the last um, previous highest was Salah um, yeah. with 2.1 million managers. So it's a massive, massive jump um, of people that, that went to Bruno this week. Somehow though, I kind of wasn't surprised when he blanked, given the form that we've seen from him in the Premier League. Like, I, I do wonder whether, this goes back to what you said earlier about form and fixtures, whether we all got kind of a bit blindsided by this nice-looking fixture that Bruno had and the FA Cup performance that we saw from him against Liverpool um, and just forgot that his Premier League form has been pretty dire. I think it's one assist in the last five, which is not ideal. Um what are you thinking about, Bruno? Are you, are you kind of still on board? Because there is some chatter in the community right now about maybe it's time to to ditch Bruno. Are you on board with that or do you still think he is going to come good? Yeah, um, 
Yeah, he has three blanks in the last four as well. So uh, no assists, very few goals. But if we look at the last four game weeks, he also is top of the of the pile in terms of goal attempts. So it's not that he basically disappeared. It's just that it's not happening for him. Yeah. Uh, and if we look at the fixture ticket, Manchester United is going to have very good games pretty mm-hmm. soon. So yes, it, it became a little bad. I, I don't know if it is because of uh, his diet. Uh, he's playing basically every game for Man United. Every, yeah. When he doesn't play, they can't win. <laughs> so, no, exactly. And we saw that, didn't we, in the FA Cup? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bring him on, they win the game. And and I thought actually when he came on in that FA Cup game um, last weekend that he massively changed the game. And obviously only playing for that la- latter part of the game, he wasn't, he didn't show signs of being tired. But I think Manchester United looked a bit lethargic to me in that game against Sheffield United. And they looked a bit kind of dazed through some of it it was kind of a bit like they they weren't necessarily expecting it and they had obviously the goal disallowed early on which does throw you out a little bit particularly Mm. when the first Sheffield United goal was very similar um and that one stood so I I think that there is you know there are things that are going on but for me I, I listened to the chatter about taking Bruno out but I just think that he is one of those FPL assets that you know, we know how good he can be and we know how important he is to that Manchester United side. And if they're going to win games, you know that Bruno is going to be in and around um, the the goals and and therefore the FPL points. They have a really tough fixture in game week 21 against Arsenal, away at Arsenal as well. But Manchester United's away form has been better this season than their home form. Um, And Arsenal have... They've had some issues, obviously, lately with Aubameyang being missing. Um... So I'm intrigued to see how that one goes. But after that, then they have Southampton, um, followed by Everton, and then after that, West Brom, and then after that, Newcastle. So whilst the fixtures are a little bit tough in the, in this next period of time, I'll give it a couple of game weeks and we start to get into a really nice run of fixtures for Manchester United. And I suspect at some stage we're going to see the best of Bruno again. Yeah. Yeah. If we had other big players like KDB or Salah, like completely firing, maybe, mm. maybe you, you think about jumping. Uh, but because right now everybody suddenly has a lot of money, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't see where you put the money in a better place right now, unless you want to go for very cheap players that are doing it very good right now, but it's not that they, guarantee points every week really no and I think what's interesting for me is I I don't know about you but I really like the ICT index and for players I I regularly look at that and kind of use it to assess which players I think are going to be right so the eye test is obviously really important but I like the ICT index because it gives me an understanding of you know the underlying stats without having to dig really really deep into the underlying stats if I'm just quickly looking at something um it also gives me an understanding of where the bonus points may may go if a player you know, performs well. Now, when you look at Bruno's ICT stats for um, midfielders, he's first for influence, first for creativity, sits first overall in the midfielder ICT index, fifth for threat, but the overall ICT index across everyone in the game for his influence, creativity and threat, he's first out of the 645 players that are currently listed in the game. Now, that tells me a lot about whilst he might not be performing 
um, in terms of returning points in the last five weeks. He is still performing in terms of his underlying stats, the creativity, the influence is still there. It hasn't disappeared overnight. Um, And I suspect that at some stage, as you say, that will just kick back into gear and we'll start to see those stats returning points again, a bit like we did with Cancelo. You know, we've been waiting for that haul with all of the stats that have been there to back him up. We finally saw it um, in game week 20. And I suspect that we will see Bruno kick back on again at some stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right then. So let's take a look forward to this weekend's action. So game week 21. Um, if I ask you to pick out a couple of teams for me or a couple of players, if you'd rather, um, that you think are going to be really key to successful FPL points returns and also those all important green arrows this week. So obviously the first one that comes to mind is the one that just won five nailed, right? And uh <laughs> Although is uh, Sheffield United and it just beat the, the team that was about to go top of the Premier League, I think Man City will do it <laughs> mm. this time. Uh, they they are in the best form this season. They have ever been in this season. So I think they are the, the clear leaders and it's almost boring to talk about them anymore. But if we look elsewhere, I think Everton with Newcastle it's a very interesting one. They recovered a bunch of players that were missing. James was playing uh, very good. The goal that he scored, wow. <laughs> it was an unbelievable goal, wasn't it? Um, and, I, and I agree with you totally on this. I, I think I watched that game. Um, Lee and I were flicking between the two different games last night, um, partly backing Bruno and then obviously also intrigued because Everton are massively on my watch list as well, not just for this week, but also beyond because the fixtures are quite nice. Now, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is one of those players that the majority of us owned for large chunk of this season um, because yeah. in the the early game weeks what we'd seen is the arrival of James Rodriguez um, his relationship with Dominic Calvert-Lewin the creativity that Rodriguez and Richarlison and then the likes of Dina were providing meant that Dominic Calvert-Lewin was just he was just on everything wasn't he and he was picking up FPL points left right and centre yeah. then they had this kind of catastrophe of injuries where you know they started losing players Hammers was out um, they lost Dina for a while Richarlison is either was either injured or suspended for large chunks of time and suddenly you had Dominic Calvert-Lewin sort of still picking up the odd scraps of FPL points here and there for a goal here or an assist there but it wasn't those big points hauls that we'd come to love in the early part of the season. Um, but I suspect we might get that again against Newcastle, who look woeful in terms of defending. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm looking at Leeds, that it's suddenly not clicking as much. I saw Bamford also not returning in three out of four games. Mm. And when I see Bamford declining and DCL and Everton all back in the team, that's my my thinking that maybe we can do a switch there and, uh, and have a, a little bit of better luck with Everton. Yeah. Newcastle. I mean, I must admit, I, and I didn't tell you this before we came on, but that's, I think what my transfer is going to be this week. Um, because I've kind of lost a bit of faith in Bamford, not necessarily because I think Bamford is a bad pick because, you know, he's owned by what 48.9% of the game. So heavily, mm. heavily invested in, um, but Leeds, they seem to be sharing the wealth a bit more in terms of attacking points. If there's attacking points, it's not always Bamford. We saw that in game week uh, 20. 
Um, and even if he does get something, he's not getting a lot. Whereas I look at the fixtures um, that Everton have got coming up and think, you know, there is potential there for some really, really nice results. Um, so obviously Newcastle, then they've got Leeds, which will be interesting to see the two of them play against each other. Because I think there's a number of us that are thinking about doing that Dominic Calvert-Lewin switch. Um Interesting game, but Leeds aren't keeping a lot of clean sheets, so there's definitely scope in that one. Yeah. Then a tough fixture against Manchester United, then Fulham, then Liverpool. Well, let's see what kind of Liverpool side that we have by the time we get to game week 25, because if they're defending like they are currently, um, owning Dominic Calvert-Lewin doesn't feel like that bad an idea, particularly in a Merseyside derby, because anything happens in a derby um and then after that Southampton Chelsea Burnley West Brom Crystal Palace so between 28 and 31 really nice run of fixtures um, and of course there is a double game week at some stage for Everton for to make up for the game that they missed against Manchester City so all of those things are kind of playing out in the back of my mind and I think there's a lot of FPL managers who used to own Calvert-Lewin who are now thinking hmm, maybe now's the time yep yeah, I think I, I think they are the clear targets in this this game week because of all of those reasons. There are other teams that might be interesting. Maybe Manchester United that we were talking about uh, mm. before. They have a tough game with Arsenal, but then they have a very good run of games. Um, I'm looking at Cavani uh, as an option. I don't understand why Oli doesn't play him more often. I guess it's because he's not as fit as he would mm. like. <laughs> yeah. Every time he plays, he connects much, much better with Bruno. So if Cavani starts playing, Bruno might also benefit. Uh, so I, I'm, I will keep track of him maybe in my watch list for 22. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the nice thing about... Um about FPL at the moment is that with the games coming kind of quite thick and fast, the chances of you missing out on somebody's good run of fixtures is quite small because, you know, like we've got a game, we've just had the game week that we're, well, we're currently still in and um, that lasts till tonight and then kicks back off again on Saturday and then kicks back off again on Tuesday. So <laughs> you have got the scope to watch Manchester United um, in this game against Arsenal, which I don't think anybody is thinking, oh, I must invest in a Manchester United asset ahead of that Arsenal game because that will be a difficult fixture for them but then after that you know the games do seem to ease up a little bit in terms of their potential for um, attacking returns anyway I'm interested to ask you about the Manchester United defence because there was um, a large clamour um, for Manchester United defenders uh, be it Maguire or Wan-Bissaka or Luke Shaw um, mm -hmm. And then the team she came out last night, uh, oh missing Luke Shaw, uh, which surprised me greatly because we've seen some real consistency. And actually, I would have argued that in the last couple of game weeks, Luke Shaw was their best defender, um, only to see him then replaced by Tellez last night. Um, what's your thoughts on the Manchester United defence? Because... Uh, Obviously, it was Maguire that got the goal last night, so he still some returned some FPL points. But for the rest of them, um, if you're a Luke Shaw owner, you're annoyed. If you're a Wamba Saka owner, you're also annoyed because you'd have gone into that game expecting a clean sheet. If you're a Maguire owner, I think you're even with him, you're still annoyed because whilst you've got the goal, you were, would have expected a clean sheet against Sheffield United. Um, do you think the Manchester United defence are worth our investment or should we just get a double up on the Man City defence and, and move on? Well, the easy answer is City is, is a, a best um, choice, right? But uh, last week, 
precisely we we discussed in Bendito Fantasy defenders, and mm -hmm. we were looking at bonus points, uh, chances created, clean sheets, uh, assist, uh, assists, uh, goal attempts, XGI. Shaw was appearing in almost all of these uh, categories, mm -hmm. and in some of them he was in the first or second spot. So I was really surprised. I don't know if it was because of he was tired or something after the game in the during the weekend, but uh, Shaw is the one that I would go for if I were to go for anyone in in this Man uh, United defense. Obviously, we got the the goal from Maguire, and that kind of goals are the ones that distract us. But uh, I think the potential for Shaw is a little bit better, and I think he's is the best one they got at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually really agree with you. I think that Luke Shaw is by far and away the best pick from the Manchester United defence. Um, I've been a little bit put... I mean, I wasn't going to do it ahead of ahead of game week 21 anyway because of that Arsenal fixture. Yeah. Um, but they would definitely. he was definitely one that was on my watch list for the next period of, of matches that they've got coming up. Because as you say, you know, you run stats graphics in the members area or, you, you know, you have a look at the heat maps and, and Luke Shaw is doing all the right things. Um and then Mrs. Allen again. Now I'm I am I would be surprised if we don't see him return um yeah. in game week 21. I really would. I think they missed him last night um in that game against Sheffield United. I think he has massively upped his game since the arrival of, of Tellers. I think he's kind of got something to fight for and he's and he's showing yeah. that kind of spirit now um in a way that we hadn't necessarily seen consistency like that from Luke Shaw in the past. So he's one that I'm I'm definitely kind of keeping my eye on um moving forward but obviously I want to see him get back into that starting lineup before I do um anyone else then for game week 21 um who are you going to captain have you had any thoughts on captaincy for for this week ah captaincy um I think I'm gonna go for someone in the city team but I'm also looking at Spurs because the, that Brighton game looks looks interesting I, I need to see them today <laughs> and see how they perform but uh it's the first time this season uh, this season that I have Kane in my team and I'm really excited I I never had the funds to have him and now without KDB and uh, uh Bardi it was really easy for me to get Kane so if he's uh up to it today uh I think he might be my captain choice yeah, he's going to be my captain, I'm, I'm pretty sure, this week. Um, he, nobody's surprised by these comments either, I'm sure. But I think for me, Kane is one of those players that um, you can always kind of rely on. You feel like he's a bit, much more safe pair of hands. He seems to be consistently returning something every single week. And in that fixture against Brighton, who haven't now kept, they've kept one clean sheet at home in the last six Premier League matches there so I don't see them keeping Spurs out um, and I, I suspect Harry Kane will be involved in that because let's be honest if, if Spurs are getting a goal then 99% of the time well I think it's actually 76% of the time but you know um, it's Son and Kane <laughs> that are involved in that um, so yeah for me I think he's a really nice pick um, the City assets I think are really interesting because obviously it's a really nice fixture for them um, I've currently got my vice captain's armbands on Gundogan. Um as a Foden owner I'm kind of intrigued as to what you're going to do because I'd, I don't feel like Foden is a captainable FPL player but do you disagree with me or do you what do you think it, can, could you trust him or is it more could you trust Pep with him 
Yeah, I that's a problem. I can't trust Pep. I think Foden is the best uh, young player they have. I, every time I watch him, I, I love watching Foden play. He has so much energy, very good technique. He's uh, really attack-minded. That's why I got him. Um, the problem is that you never know if he's going to come into the game or not, or maybe no. he's going to do a cameo or something. Gundo, it feels a lot more solid in the rankings uh, and because he is firing he's shooting a lot he's in the right areas right now I think he might be a very good captain option this week I, I saw some people that chose Sterling that mm. everybody forgets Sterling these days but um, but those that got for went from for Bruno this week uh, wishing they went sterling instead <laughs> it's, it's a challenge isn't it because you know I always find that with Man City players is that you know I'm happy to captain a Man City player if it's Kevin De Bruyne and mm-hmm. because you feel safe there's a safety of starts um, like I look at Gundogan and I think you know you came off on 51 minutes so surely you start in game week 21 um, so surely you're yeah. captainable um, but the points are always shared and I think that's the other thing to mention at City is that you know you, you captain a City player and I think you go into it with your eyes open don't you in that you know that it's unlike at Spurs where as we've mentioned you know the majority of the goals come from Son and Kane um, you go into into a city captaincy with your eyes wide open that says, you know, it could be Foden, it could be Mares, it could be Sterling, it could be Gundogan, it could be Cancelo. Um, there's so many players on that pitch that could be the ones that score the goals. Um, and it could be quite high. It could be a quite high scoring game again, and I suspect it will. Um, and, and so captaining a city player is, is, is a challenge, I think, to work out which one is the best option to go for. Are you going to hold Foden? now or is it a case of you know free up a million nearly a million and take him down to Gundogan or what are you planning to do that that is my main concern right now I I want to do the hokey cokey and go for Gundogan (laughs) you know what will happen though don't you (laughs) (laughs) but I have the fear that as soon as I sell Foden the one that's going to hold is him yeah, I think so. It's tough. It's so tough with Man City. It's so tough. Um, I don't know. And I don't know what the answer is. I wish I could go, you know, here's my crystal ball. Keep Foden, sell Foden. I think it's hard to sell him. That's the problem. That's why I asked the question. It's hard to hold him because of fear and that he might get benched or, you know, it might not be him again that returns. But equally, it's difficult to sell him ahead of that fixture against Sheffield United. Like, it's very hard to kind of, even if you go into one of his teammates, it's very hard to switch him out. He was a top scorer for City uh, yeah. until Gundogan started scoring. So, <laughs> so, I mean, he wasn't playing Premier League games, but he was still the top scorer for Manchester City. So it tells you is, about his potential. It, it does. And the thing is with Gundogan is that he's massively, massively overperforming on what he ever has yeah. done in the past. Like normally he gets like six goals in a season if he's lucky. This season he's, he's like smashing that. If he carries on at this rate, he's going to get like 20 goals this season, which is unbelievable um, for him. So I'm kind of, I'm intrigued by City. I think Gundogan seems to be standing up. He seems to be the one that's kind of over the last eight game weeks or so. He's the one that's got the consistency there with those midfield players. So he feels like the safest pick, even yeah. with Sterling. I think he's com- he's reassuringly expensive and you, you're fairly sure he's going to start. Yeah. 
but he doesn't have the consistency that Gundogan has. Um, and I wonder actually if Gundogan was like 11 million as well, how many of those people that went to Sterling would have gone to Gundogan instead? I think sometimes that I've got this much money in the bank, I really feel like I should invest it. Yeah. Meant that I, they didn't I, look. I have a thought in my mind that I think finally Pep found the replacement for David Silva. Mm. Uh, he's playing in a very similar role in creating chances in uh, just behind the, the, well, there is no striker right now, but in that position of false nine. Yeah. And, uh, and either he passes the ball very well or he shoots. It's exactly what David Silva used to do. So I think he found, it found the, I don't know how, how Pep missed it for so long, but it happened. And I think it, it, it is what is what we're seeing. So if he, mm becomes the new David Silva, it can be for a long time that he continues this level of uh, returns. Well, I certainly hope so, given that he is now firmly ensconced in my FPL team. So if he can continue in the way that he um, started for me in game week 20, then I will be a very, very happy lady. That is for sure. (laughs) Right. That is it for us on this week's Scout the Game Week. Leo, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Uh, it was very good. Hopefully the next time I see you, we'll both have nice, shiny green arrows and not be <laughs> having quite such difficult game weeks. Um, and Bruno will have returned us some FPL points to compensate us for the points he didn't give us as our captain this week. Um, I will be back next week for another Scout the Game Week, where this time I'll be joined by Adam from the FPL Experiment podcast. We'll be taking a look back on Game Week 21 um, and taking that knowledge to look ahead to Game Week 22. Green arrows, everyone. <laughs>